Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Wednesday, February 14th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, Governor Brian Kemp sends National Guard troops to the U.S.-Mexico border. Current and former Cobb County teachers sue the school district over what they call classroom censorship. And Savannah officials celebrate the return of an iconic feature on the city's waterfront. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Governor Brian Kemp is sending more National Guard soldiers to help Texas Governor Greg Abbott's effort to control illegal crossings on the U.S.-Mexico border. GPB's Sarah Callas reports the move yesterday comes after the Georgia House and Senate passed resolutions supporting the action. Kemp says he will send 15 to 20 additional troops to Texas, in addition to the 29 Georgia Guardsmen already stationed there. We will send reinforcements to Texas this spring who will assist with the construction of a forward command post on the border with Mexico. This group of well-trained soldiers will include those with engineering, mechanical, and general purpose skills. This announcement comes after U.S. Congress failed to meet a bipartisan deal on border security. Kemp blamed the White House and says it's time for states to step in. Several other Republican governors have also pledged National Guard support to Texas. For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis at the state capitol. More than 100 members of Congress have signed a letter to the Atlanta-based Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian urging the company to not interfere with employees' efforts to form a union. GPB's Amanda Andrews has more. Lawmakers want Delta to adopt a neutrality agreement ahead of any vote to unionize. Organizers have been working for over a decade to unionize Delta employees, but began a fresh effort in November 2022. James Carlson is with the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. He says even with high base pay and profit sharing, Delta employees don't have the benefits a union contract secures. They get less vacation pay. They get less holidays. They don't have the overtime rules that we have. So when when you add it all up, these Delta workers are getting shortchanged, and they know that. Delta is the only U.S.-based air carrier where most flight attendants, mechanics, and fleet service personnel are not represented by a union, while pilots are. For GPB News, I'm Amanda Andrews. Additionally, Delta Airlines announced its employees will receive $1.4 billion in annual profit sharing. The company says checks going out today amount to 10% of employees' eligible earnings. Nearly $600 million will go to employees based in Georgia. The state Senate has passed a bill that would exempt gun safety devices from sales taxes. The measure cleared the chamber yesterday with only one no vote. Bill sponsor, Marietta Republican Kay Kirkpatrick, says she hopes it'll encourage more gun owners to practice safe storage around children. All of us want to protect our children from accidental injuries, including those of us who are lawful gun owners. This bill is simply an incentive for lawful gun owners to purchase safe storage devices, including firearm safes and firearm safety devices such as trigger locks, by exempting them from Georgia's sales tax. The bill would cost the state about $1.6 million and local governments about $1.4 million in annual revenue. A similar bill is advancing in the House. In business news, Coca-Cola has reported a 7% rise in revenue in the fourth quarter. 
That's higher than expected for the Atlanta-based beverage giant as growth in Mexico, Germany, and other markets offset lower sales in the U.S. And a nuclear power plant in East Georgia has begun splitting atoms in the second of its new reactors. Georgia Power says the reactor at Plant Vogel reached self-sustaining nuclear fission and a key step toward providing carbon-free electricity. The company says many tests remain before the reactor is expected to begin commercial operations sometime before June 30th. Another new reactor began commercial operation last summer, joining two older reactors at the site southeast of Augusta. Savannah officials today celebrated the return of an iconic feature of the city's waterfront. A play tugboat for kids was installed on the waterfront plaza in 1977, part of a massive revitalization on the Savannah River. That play tugboat fell into disrepair and was removed five years ago. Now a new ADA-accessible play tugboat beckons children. Savannah architect Eric Myroff designed the plaza, a major turning point in the city's transformation into a tourist destination. Before he died in 2020, he told GPB he got the idea for the play tugboat from a honeymoon trip to Copenhagen. There was a little boat on the sand at the waterfront, and these kids would get in the boat. Consequently, my great contribution to Savannah is the, the little riverboat at the, at the riverfront where kids can play. His daughter, Margot Meyerhoff, spearheaded fundraising efforts to build and install the new tugboat. Authorities continue searching for a City of Albany employee who went missing while collecting water samples from the Flint River. It's not clear if 36-year-old Darius Stevens fell into the river or went missing some other way. But multiple agencies are focusing their search on the Flint River, where heavy rainfall began swelling levels and quickening currents on Monday when he was last seen near the river. Voters in West Georgia have chosen a new state senator. Former state House member Republican Tim Bearden of Carrollton won the majority of votes yesterday, according to final unofficial results. He replaces Mike Dugan, who resigned to run for Congress. A state House seat near Augusta is headed to a runoff, Gary Richardson of Evans and C.J. Pearson of Grovetown will face each other in March. They finished first and second in the five-candidate field, vying to replace former state representative Barry Fleming. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. The Savannah Book Festival kicks off tomorrow ahead of a busy Saturday lineup of more than 30 authors. GPB's Benjamin Payne reports on a few of the event's special guests. A hero's welcome is expected at the Savannah Theater Saturday morning for John Barrett. The New York-based writer will take to the stage to discuss his iconic nonfiction bestseller, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, the true crime travelogue is widely credited with supercharging Savannah's tourism economy. Uh, I didn't think that it was going to be anywhere as popular as it's turned out to be. There were a few grumbles, but one reviewer called it a love letter to Savannah, and I have no quarrel with that. Other guests of the festival include DeKalb County author and attorney Michael Thurmond. He's out with a new book about James Oglethorpe, who founded the Colony of Georgia and who, as Thurmond puts it, went on a journey from slave trader to abolitionist. The festival opens Thursday night with an address by British thriller author Ruth Ware. For GPB News, I'm Benjamin Payne in Savannah. 
A Cobb County teacher fired for reading a book to fifth graders that included a gender nonconforming character is suing the Cobb County School District. Katie Rinderley, a current teacher, and the Georgia Association of Educators all argue in the lawsuit that the district's policy is vague and its training on the policy is inadequate, and therefore, no teacher should be fired for violating it. Craig Goodmark is an attorney for the teachers, and he is with me now. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Peter. The heart of the lawsuit is that the policy is vague, that there's no written definition that spells out what it means to be divisive, controversial, or sensitive. Is it not within the rights of policymakers to use broad terms and then follow up later with a panel who can then use their judgment to assess whether something fits those terms? When you're an educator, a public educator like Katie Renderly or Tanya Grimke, you have a right to your job. You have a property interest in your job. And if that property interest or your job is subject to, to being taken from you, you have to have fair warning as to why. Uh, the policies that Cobb County has passed, and certainly they are uh, within their right to pass policies uh, regarding things like curriculum, but those policies have to give fair warning to educators for things they can and cannot do. Meaning if a, if a school says that they don't want LGBTQ characters in books read, uh, read aloud to children, they need to say as much before a teacher goes into a classroom with that book. A teacher needs to have notice uh, before they can be fired for a violation of a policy. And then policies like as the censorship policies that Cobb County has passed don't provide that notice. Uh, Katie Rinderly, even when she was being investigated, had no idea what the scope of the terms controversial, sensitive or divisive were. And so just on the facts of her situation alone, we see that there was no fair warning. There was no notice. These policies are vague. Katie Rinderly is one plaintiff. You mentioned the other, Tanya Grimke. She's suing in part because of this uncertainty and how the policy has impacted her ability to do her job. Can you tell me more about that? Tanya Grimke and the members of the Georgia Association of Educators that are working in Cobb County are teaching in fear. Um, they don't know the limits of these policies, and they've seen this policy uh, be enforced for uh, illegal reasons. So they teach every day uh, without understanding and without having been trained as to what the scope of these policies will be. And having had having now seen an educator be fired, uh, that sense of fear and that chilling aspect of the policy is now stronger than ever. Overall, you're alleging that Cobb County has, by siding with the parents who argued that anything regarding those who identify as LGBTQ is divisive. They've effectively made discrimination against those people a matter of policy. What is the remedy you're seeking for that? We're seeking a declaratory and injunctive relief. We want a judge to sit and read these policies and, and declare that they are unconstitutional because they do not give fair warning. We want a judge to declare that the actions taken against Katie Renderly and enforcement of those policies constitutes sex discrimination, uh, a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Um, it's it's critical that this you know Cobb County issue be elevated uh, because justice wasn't handed out in Cobb County. Uh, we have to seek justice elsewhere. Overall, is what's happening in Cobb County part of a larger trend? Sure, I think the lawsuit itself is reflective of a larger trend in Georgia, which is uh, teachers, outsiders, people outside of education, creating an environment of fear 
for public educators. And the Georgia Association of Educators and the National Education Association uh, are involved in this lawsuit because it's censorship policies like Cobb County that are being replicated across our state and that are chilling the ability of educators to do their job, which is, you know, as you know, Peter, one of the hardest jobs there is, is to be a public school teacher. And they've just made it that much harder. Attorney Craig Goodmark, thank you very much for speaking with me. Glad to be here, Peter. Thank you. And we reached out to Cobb County Schools for comment. A spokesperson said, quote, while we have no comment on ongoing litigation, we're proud to be a district to be focused on the Georgia standards and what children need to know and do. And that is it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit gpb.org news. And the best way to stay on top of the news is to subscribe to this podcast. Do it now, and we'll be back in your podcast feed automatically tomorrow. And if you've got feedback or a story idea, let us know by email. The email is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.